Hello, curiosity seekers and adventurous thinkers. Welcome to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio, the podcast for the relentlessly curious. This season, our host and Applied Curiosity Lab's chief curiosity seeker, Becky Saltzman, will be sharing the studio with ACL's chief experience producer and favorite sister, Jennifer Felberg. The lens is, and always will be, curiosity. Each week, fun informal conversations center around one delectable curiosity bite, designed to give your brain the time and ideas to think about thinking, to flex your curiosity muscle, and maybe even revolutionize the way you think. One of my favorite things to do is search for people or companies that have come up with crazy ideas. And recently I met Safi Bacall, who wrote Loon Shots. And these are people, organizations, companies that have come up with crazy ideas to solve problems, et cetera. And it's a really good book. I'll put that book in the show notes. But that got me thinking more recently that I hadn't really done this. So I spent some time looking around as the there's a local election. And all the politicians are running on COVID, homelessness, affordable housing, income inequality, all of the issues that we keep hearing and hearing. And there's no one running on anything exciting. It's all about avoiding a loss, typical in times of stress. So I found this one company and the article was like from 2010 and they had come up with an idea. I guess back in the day, people used to swim in New York, swim in the Hudson River in the East Bay, and then it got too polluted and no one would consider swimming. Kind of like the Willamette River here in Portland. We used to swim and water ski and do all that stuff. And these guys came up with this idea. It's in the shape of a plus. It's called Plus Pool. And it's the filtration pool that is right in the river and it uses river water and it filters the river water into the pool so people can swim in the river, in the Hudson River in this case. They had all sorts of hype in 2010. So I was curious to see what had happened since that. Because I think, God, what a great, what a great concept. And water filtration is certainly not something that has gone away as a hot item. So I started digging deeper and I tweeted at them. Anyway, since this time, Plus Pool has continued on their mission. I mean, it's obviously taken a lot longer technologically, politically, per- with permits. But in October of last year, they did something where they took lights. It wasn't the filtration system, but they took lights and they were able to get a permit to put it in. I can't remember if it was in, maybe it was in the East Bay. Anyway, one of the rivers in New York. And they it was a light system. So it could be like, if it was clean water, it would be blue. And if it was less clean, it would be a different color. So that was kind of their first step. So they have been moving for these last 10 years. So I took this and I recently suggested this to some of the Portland people running for office because wouldn't that be an exciting, cool solution that would have positive impact on the city not some crazy thing that would take away from the homelessness, but it would solve a problem that we have. Our recreational abilities to use the natural resources have been limited. So anyway, I tweeted, I sent a tweet, I didn't tweet that. I tweeted to the plus pool back and forth. And then I finally put them in contact with some local people running here. And I thought that is so fun to consider something that is preposterous to solve the impossible. So that leads me to the curiosity bite. Are you ready? Absolutely. I love the plus pool. Right. Because it could be fun for everyone and it's it's a win-win and it filters, it disinfects, it screens. It's yeah, it sounds great. 
Yeah, it sounds great. And also, I guess over this 10 years, they've actually come up with more filtration technology. So there's, it's kind of like when we went to the moon, we came up with Tang, we came up with all these other products as a result, Tang being the most important, <laughs> of course. Uh, so uh, the question, the curiosity bite is, how often do you consider the preposterous to solve the impossible? And that might be for your family, for your personal life, for your neighborhood, for your city or even, you know, globally? I feel that if you know me, you might consider me more of a preposterous type of person than <laughs> a normal type. I don't know, normal, what's normal. But I would think that people would use the preposterous word in some type of way of describing me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree. And I love that. Yeah. And often I have used preposterous ideas to solve certain problems. What I felt that I did well in the, what, the career that I loved so much, working with the elders, is that I did use some preposterous ideas to solve certain problems there. That probably was the most shining moments for my preposterous solutions. I can remember some specifically. And... The solution that I think of when I think of you, and I'll just answer it for you, but this comes to mind a lot when I think of you is that a lot of times, and I'm just going to use the word nursing home because it's an easy thing and I know it's more nuanced than a nursing home, but a lot of times when people think of going into a nursing home, they know that they are doing a lot of things for the very last time. So we all know that there'll be a very last time that we read a book. There'll be a very last time that they, we, that you and I have a conversation. There'll be a very last time for everything we do. We just don't really think about it. But when someone goes into a nursing home, it's very clear that there are a lot of things that fall into that bucket of we're never going to do again. And that may seem like an impossible thing to solve. And I'm sticking with the curiosity bite to use you. I probably would have thought the same thing, but I have learned a lot through you, which is that there's not as many things in that bucket as you think. Some of your preposterous ideas solving the problem. It's not just preposterous. I mean, we always have preposterous ideas. Maybe the problem is we're bored or we want to have fun, but I think of your preposterous ideas as solving that, the impossible challenge of not putting so many things in that bucket. Like I've already done this for the very last time when you go into a nursing home. Yeah. And I, and I don't know what, what kinds of things, but I mean, you can probably give me 10. Yeah. When you go into a nursing home, you don't expect to do a lot of things anymore. You can rest assured you'll be doing bingo. You'll rest assured you'll be doing arts and projects and things like that. But when I get old, those are very nice. But I don't want to give up certain things. Like one of my preposterous ideas was taking a group to uh, the drag show. Oh, my uh, God. And we had a ball. We drank, we watched the drag show, it was naughty. We had such a great time. People thought no one would sign up for it. People thought that it couldn't happen, that it was too late at night, that it, that it was inappropriate. My argument was, what, you don't think these people had sex? Uh, <laughs> you know, things like that. You had to change people's mind. Did you uh, have a lot of people sign up? Yeah, we had a great group. Yeah, actually, it was our uh, Red Hat Society. I, I made it more of a, a female trip, and it was a bunch of us. Late. It's like basically like if you were going out 
like a bachelorette party or something like that. <laughs> oh my God. With, but with a, with a little less, woo, woo. Not necessarily. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right, what else? That's a good one. Give me a couple of others. With our Rose Fest, we always did a, like a Rose Festival month. And we had different ideas. You know, they were all very nice, you would think, for a nursing home, quote unquote. And one of my ideas was to do sort of a Music Man theme. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat if we got a marching band to come and do a full parade with marching band? And everyone's like, first of all, you're not going to get a marching band that's going to want to do it. Second of all, the residents aren't going to like it because it's too noisy. On and on and on. The reasons why it couldn't be done, shouldn't be done. And of course, I found a 70-piece marching band. They're called the One Time Around Marching Band that came and in full regalia with the baton twirlers and the whole nine came and marched on our campus. And it was a big hit. Another time, I did a Renaissance Fair. And I had stilt walkers, fire breathers, juggler, you name it, I had it. And we had a full-on renaissance fair. But the funny part was that it rained, so we couldn't do it outside. <laughs> so these stilt walkers were inside the nursing home ducking, you know, the little tiny ceilings. And so, I mean, I could go on and on and on with the preposterous ideas. And some of them worked and some of them didn't. But that job really allowed me to do the things that I think that I do best. Right. I wonder how much the corporate structure would allow for that level of preposterous, because I don't know, you know, some of the problems in corporate America are solved by training on accepting this or understanding this, or it'd be very interesting to see how, those kinds of things could be applied and what problems that they solve. Because one of the things that I like about this curiosity bite is, although it's fun to, you know, experience preposterous in all of those cases there, it really did solve what could be perceived to be an impossible problem. And can I get nerdy for a second? Because you know me with my thought experiment, love of thought experiments, I'm going to get nerdy because before we get into really thinking about preposterous ideas, one of the things that I think helps is the types of thought experiments that there are. And as we mentioned in the last podcast, the idea of a thought experiment is a structured manifestation of our natural curiosity. So not rumination, but in this case, a preposterous idea to solve an impossible problem. So there's structure around that versus just a preposterous idea. So these are the types of thought experiments that have been identified. One is prefactual, which is involving future outcomes. So what will X, what will X cause to happen? That's very common. And when you think about what will X cause to happen with bringing in, taking the, to the elders to the drag queen show, it may cause them to see their lives in a greater focus. And even if they had Alzheimer's, like you've pointed out before, where people are like, I, my mom doesn't need to do that. She won't remember anyway. And as you pointed out, it's about experiencing it. None of us know if we have tomorrow to remember anyway. So there's the experiencing self and the remembering self that Daniel Kahneman talks about. And you always kind of shifted that when you're dealing with old people, when you're dealing with people who are clearly more knowledgeable about the um, preeminence of their mortality, you need to focus on the experiencing self more than the remembering self. Because 
maybe they will remember the next day, but maybe they won't. And the experiencing still self still has value. So prefactual. The other is the counterfactual, which is contradicting known facts. So if Y happened instead of X, what would be the outcome? So that's one way of thinking about this thought experiment or any, any of these curiosity bites. Give me an example of that. Well, let's see. Well, let me give you give me an example. If Y happened instead of X, what would be the outcome? So if they stayed home and watched a movie, uh, watched RuPaul's Drag Race, instead of going to a drag show, what would be the outcome? They would still have fun, but they wouldn't have gone out. They wouldn't have experienced the fatigue, the smell, the taste, the sweat, the <laughs> everything. And I, and I always did try to think of all the senses, not just, mm. I always had to have things beautiful. I had to have things smell good. I had to think things taste good, sound good. All of those things came into play mm-hmm. when I was thinking of those preposterous ideas. Okay. So, yeah. All right. What about semi-factual, which is contemplating how a different past could have led to the same present. So if Y had happened instead of X, would the outcome have been the same? And in the case of, let's say, on the way to the drag show, you had gotten waylaid or, or the, the drag show was canceled and you had to then go just have dinner, would the outcome have been the same? And that's, so it's just a fun way of playing with a thought experiment. It's not one is better than the other, but that's the semi-factual. And then the last one is prediction, which is theorizing outcomes based on existing data. So they may involve mental or computational models. Like if X continues to happen, what will be the outcome tomorrow, next week, next month? And a lot of times I think what you've said with, with keeping the example of the elders is that there are... You know, you're not going to revitalize neurons. I mean, at least we don't know how to do that quite yet. Even though we've got neuroplasticity, theoretically, one might even say that you could slow down the degeneration of neurons by continuing to create experiences that make the neurons fire. So that could be something. I don't know. Do you agree? Yeah. I, I mean, I have that thought. Anyone in that field that didn't have that thought probably shouldn't be in that, in yeah, that that's field. Yeah, that's a good point. But it's not, uh, it shouldn't be the motivator. It should be the experience, the here and now. Yeah. And then there's hindcasting, which is uh, running a prediction reverse to see if it forecasts an event that has already happened. X happened, could Y have predicted it? And then the final one is retrodiction, moving backward from the event to discover the root cause. I think that is one of the most common, I call it post-diction, but they call, you know, there's also called retrodiction. I think most books, business books, where they're talking about examples of these are the things that successful companies did also potentially suffer from success bias, which is that people don't write books about the people who did the exact same things and had failures because that's not very interesting. Right. I think uh, a lot of times when you're taking these leadership classes or management classes, they'll talk about how to come up with a solution or a solve a problem. I personally feel like you're missing the mark if you don't think about what it would look like if it failed or what did it look, what did it look like when it failed for somebody else? It's important to look at that. What is that a counterfactual? What did you say that was? Some of these could be seen depending on how you frame it. They could be seen as a, in a lot of different ways, but there's an upward counterfactual and a downward counterfactual. 
you know, I, I sometimes I just try to think of something preposterous, like we know that wheels are more efficient than legs, for example. So why don't animals have wheels? And you ask those kinds of questions, and that's a preposterous question that leads to divergent thinking. And that's kind of a foundation in creativity. Like when we do our zigzagging at our workshops is this allow, allowing this wild divergent thinking before you converge on a, a, a the solution. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about things like all the things that were probably preposterous not that long ago. Like now you know how to spell anything. <laughs> you can carry a massive library in your pocket. You can get anywhere without a map. You can find reasons why you're right about anything, anything. You can contact a friend in another country for free. Remember how rarely when I was in college in St. Louis, I could even call you? It was, I would have to like save up and we could make one call a week. You can call anyone for free. You can learn anything. You can, I mean, think about now, LinkedIn learning, masterclass, what we're doing right now during the quarantine. It's, 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 it's un- unbelievable if you have an internet access. You can share your creations with people you don't know. You can make something and put it out there. You can make a movie in your living room. You could monetize. You can monetize porn in your own house. <laughs> some yes. people could monetize. <laughs> some people would be more successful than others. <laughs> it's weird to think about all that. Like, where would our lives be if we had all of that back when we were younger? Wonder where we would be now. And then you think, okay, when you want to come up with a preposterous idea, how do you spur yourself? Well, you come up with the most embarrassing idea or the most reviled idea or the most revered idea, or the smallest idea, or the largest idea. You think about the absurd, and you get into philosophy, and Camus, and Kierkegaard. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But I want to ask you, can I ask you some questions? Preposterous and you. Ah, that's an evil combination. All right, I'm ready. (laughs) All right. If you could come up with a preposterous invention to solve the problem with deciding how long you want to live, would you do it? Do you mean like if I could have a button at my fingertips and say, okay, now I'm done, boop, and I'm done? No, you would have, no, you would have to decide now how long you have to live. Oh, yeah, probably. I, yeah. Would you? No. How about if you could come up with some preposterous idea to choose exactly how you look each day? (laughs) Each day I could decide? Yes. Oh, yeah. Hell yes. What about you could choose exactly how you're perceived each day? Yes. (laughs) How about if you could choose exactly what you own each day? Yes. The answer is yes. I want control, baby. (laughs) And I thought I was the control freak. (laughs) Now I know. How much time do you spend with actual facts versus your imagination? I probably spend more time with my imagination than facts than you do. God, is I don't that a know. good enough answer? <laughs> I, sp- I don't know. I spend a lot of time with my imagination, imagining that I know the facts. <laughs> <laughs> Realizing, oh, well, maybe I don't. All right. And then I only have a couple more questions. And these are math questions. You wait, what? What? These, no. These are math <laughs> questions. <laughs> 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 you snoring again. These are math. <laughs> these, these, because if anything, is as is if anything is more preposterous than asking you the most difficult math questions <laughs> in the history of the world, then nothing is preposterous. I'm already starting to sweat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how would you solve the Callitz conjecture? 
Okay, the Cowlitz conjecture. Cowlax, it's C O L L A T Z conjecture. C O L L A T Z. Colix conjecture. I would I would solve it by getting some colace. Oh, I like. And <laughs> injecting that into the membranes of a L air filtration system. <laughs> <laughs> the membranes. <laughs> and that would then help the conjecture of how that coal, what was it, coal something, <laughs> yes. would produce in, as a matter, in speed, duration, consistency. <laughs> you know what I would do? do you want to, are you going to ask me? Okay, that, that is how I would solve. What's that problem again called? The Callitz conjecture. I would take my hair and I'd swirl it with a little gel. Oh, wait, that's the Callic. <laughs> conjecture. <laughs> See, I was going colace conjecture. You were oh. going conjecture. And it's neither because this is the mathematical discipline known as dynamical systems or the study of situations that change over time in semi-predictable ways. Now, when I looked at it, I want you to hear this. It looks like a simple innocuous question, <laughs> but that's what makes yeah. it so special. <laughs> and then the last one, I'm just going to ask you one more. And okay. then, and then you can do your list, which is the kissing. Oh, I forgot about my list. Yeah, I was okay. doing all your. I was, I was putting you on the spot today. Oh, the okay. kissing number problem. <laughs> kissing number problem. Well, that would have to do with the availability. I mean, it has a lot to do with um, <laughs> what's that thing where you swipe right and left? <laughs> it's Tinder. Tinder. <laughs> It has to do with Tinder. And grind, or, or is it grinder? Which one? Does it well, depending on yeah. your persuasion. You would have to have some kind of technological advancement in being able to find... I, I, I'm not no, coming right. up with a good this one. Is, I'm not going <laughs> to... With okay. kissing. I mean, you know, you have to, you'd have to have the availability to really be able to test how many times you can kiss somebody and then <laughs> and, and, not and get then a swipe left and, and then not swipe get a venereal left. disease <laughs> yeah yeah when a bunch of spe spheres are packed into some region each sphere has a kissing number which is the number of other spheres it's touching if you're touching six neighboring spheres then your kissing number is six nothing tricky and not getting a venereal <laughs> disease exactly <laughs> God, that's crazy. Okay, you know what? I don't like math. I don't know if you've heard that before, but I don't like math. So I'm going to go to my list. Yay! I think it's fun, so I hope you're ready for it. I'm ready. I'm ready. These, these were preposterous ideas that could potentially actually work. No, but what problem do they solve? Is that what you're asking me? Well, there's a pro there's problems, but uh, I mean, yeah, if there was a problem, that these were uh, preposterous ideas that might have solved certain problems. So I guess if there's you're a preposterous gonna to, You're going to have to figure out the problem. Okay, is that my job? Yeah, to you're going to have to problem? figure out the problem based on these. Uh, if there's a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out Check the, out the book while a DJ the, resolves it. Ice, ice, baby. <laughs> All right, I'm going to figure out the problem. You tell me the preposterous idea. 
Well, first I have to get it out of the way. My first one was the plus pool, so thank you for. Uh, oh. So you 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 solved that one. The next one is a very preposterous idea, and that is, you write in your will that you want to be cremated, okay, instead of buried, and before you die, you're on your deathbed. You go and you swallow as many popcorn kernels as you can. What problem would that solve? Because I know what it would be. It would solve the problem of waking up the person running the cremation machine (laughs) because they would be sleeping through all of your bones burning, but then they would hear, (laughs) they would have to open up the machine. What's all this popcorn doing in there? Well, I thought it would solve the problem that when you have your shiva, mm-hmm. you don't have any food. So the person that's dying is actually able to provide the food for their own shiva. Nice. Nice. Isn't that nice. It's like butter. It's like butter on your popcorn. <laughs> okay, here's the next one. You got to figure out the problem. We should get a team of people in neon green morph suits. You know, those little green screens, but you wear them on yourself. I mean, like a green screen, like for filming. Yes, but it's on your, like it's a costume that you wear. Okay. And you go into the the newsroom and you start to harass the weather person. So that no one knows, like the weather person is just standing up there. Well, that would be good because so many times I feel like the weather people are wrong. So this is retribution for getting all of those forecasts wrong. So yeah, that's a big problem. It's holding them accountable. That yes, is exactly holding them accountable. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly, exactly. That is exactly what I thought too. Okay. The next one is the password pill. It's a pill that contains a chip that will cause your body to emit a personalized signal designed to be recognized by your electronic devices. Well, I think this is a great and not preposterous solution because increasingly as the data we give off gets fed into artificial intelligence, machine learning algorithms that can determine that what we really want isn't what we think we want, but these artificial machine learning algorithms can determine what we really do want, Uh, then things like being able to just have a password without thinking about it, or even having decisions made without thinking about it, might as well just relegate it to, you could feed in all of the things that you think that are important to you. But then Also, the data was collecting everything you eat, everything you say, everything you do. And then you found out that all of that meant that the candidate that you should vote for was Donald Trump. (laughs) Would you would you take that pill? I don't want to be I don't want to have the confirmation that I'm an idiot. And if that was something that I had I put into myself to confirm that I'm an idiot. I'm going to pass. No, because you don't want to be known to, you don't want to know that you're an idiot so that the algorithm would show you that even that I have to vote for for Donald Trump. (laughs) No. Even even though you are an idiot, you feel like you're smart. And you don't don't, know. No, 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 (laughs) no. All right. All right. Next. (laughs) Oh my God. 
Okay, how about if Google could tell you that you were the first person to, I would love this. Can you imagine? Finish you, the thing. You, you Google something on Google. <laughs> and, or as my, one of my seniors used to say, use the Googler, use the, the Googler. <laughs> so you use the Googler and <laughs> the Googler comes up and says, you, this, you know what? This is the first time anybody's asked me this question. All right. Wow. That was one of my slides in my, I don't know if it was the, the talk that I did. I think it was the talk that I did to the Air Force, which is, it had this little image of this dog that had Googled and it came up with a question mark because that's one of oh, the- Oh, I know, I know that slide. I've seen yeah, that. you know that slide because, you know, you can search for and access anything except for what isn't there and only curiosity inspires the questions that generate the answers we don't yet have access to. And without curiosity, new answers will cease to exist. And then what you're going to get on the Googler is, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Can you I don't know. Can you imagine if it's a Googler? I would like, love I it. Know. I don't know. These are deep. I mean, I'm, I, I'm so deep. These are deep thoughts. Speaking of which, and you kind of uh, touched on this a little earlier, but here's another one. The hat fork. The hat fork is an electronic fork that records your eating habits and monitors your schedule. It lights and gentle vibrations let you know that you're eating too fast. And I would like to call this the Jewish mother because it would also <laughs> light up and vibrate that you were eating too much or too little. <laughs> you're not eating enough. That is <laughs> hilarious. That would be a fun gift to give. Oh my God. There's another one get all the one-hit wonder bands together to for a massive concert where they each can only play their one song. That would be the best concert to go to because like for Barkley, Dane, most, oh, for all the bar mitzvahs, I would have to go through and pick out the best dance songs of all time. So I would go through each era and pick out the best dance, the ones that you just cannot stay seated and have to get up and dance. Like, like, groove is in the heart. What was you like? Uh, it's raining, men. It's raining, man. Oh, hallelujah. It's raining, man. Amen. Is raining, man, the weather girls one hit wonder, or did they have any other? And if they did, did it even matter? Because that is the hit of all hits. Rain, it's raining, men is a classic and all-time best song. All right, what five, before we wrap up, what five songs, what would they be? Oh, man, that's hard because you have to know what the one-hit wonders are. And, like, do you want dance songs or do you want... Do I? Yes. <laughs> At this yeah. concert. I mean, obviously... It's our concert. It's, it's our obviously concert. Obviously, it's Raining Men. Yes. It's obvious it's going to be Groovers in the Heart. Yes. I know those are one-hit wonders. I don't think Groovers um, in the Heart is a one-hit wonder. But oh, we'll it's 100% a one-hit wonder. Delight? Delight had, did not have... Oh, I had their album. So to me, that whole album was a hit, a wonder. But how about Jamiroquai? I love that song. I don't know what that is. That's a good song. That's a one-hit wonder. I don't think it would be like one of the five, but I think it would be good. A hip hop, a hip 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 hop, you don't stop a rocking. Yes. That, I think we end the concert with that. 
Yeah. Sugar, Sugar Hill Gang. Yes. D- yes. Which yes. I don't know if I've mentioned before, but I was on an airplane and they were on the same airplane. And the, what do you call it? The flight attendant came up to me and they're like, oh, there was this, this I guess there's this band on stage, uh, band on the uh, plane that Sugar Hill Gang. And I said, what? Sugar, I was the only one on the plane. Did you go? Did you know who they were? And I was like, I went up to them and I'm like, I know every word to to Sugar Delight or or whatever you call it. Rapper's Delight. Delight. Rapper's Delight. And they were so thrilled that I knew who they were and that I was like, You know what I would have wanted to do? Get on the loud, get on the thing. Explain. I went over to a friend's house to eat. Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever been over to your friend's house to eat when the food just ain't no good? I mean, the macaroni soggy, the peas are mushed, and the chicken tastes like wood. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be so But Just to do that, like not say anything to them. Oh, God, why did you do that? That was Why your- did I do that? Why did you do <laughs> We will put in the show notes the top five that would be our one-hit wonders. And then you guys can come and vote. Come to the show notes at applycuriositylab.com, and then you guys can vote on if you disagree or not agree. And we're going to put together a concert, a one hit wonder concert over Zoom. Over Zoom. We're going to reach out. Actually, we'll reach out to all of these bands and see it will be original hits. I can't guarantee that it will be original stars. <laughs> Are you ready for the sort of fact? Yes. Yes. According to a study at a prestigious university conducted over 50 years ago, Items that we commonly use today were seen as completely preposterous by over 98% of those surveyed, courtesy of Sword Effects. Thanks for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Before you take off, I have a few more things to let you know about. One, you can find show notes for every episode of ACLR and links to all resources mentioned at applycuriositylab.com forward slash blog. It's there that we'll wait to read your answers to each week's curiosity bite. Two, in order to avoid missing curiosity bitten conversations, subscribe to Apply Curiosity Lab Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and all the other spots that podcasts hang out and wait to be discovered. Toss up a review, especially if you have nice things to say. Finally, for all things Apply Curiosity, including information on workshops and your free membership to the Tribe of the Curious, go to applycuriositylab.com. In the meantime, elevate curiosity.